Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Welcome to the program again today. I, I trust that you've been following us week by week as we continue to unpack this series on the book of Revelation. Uh, if you're enjoying this, please let us know. I'm really trying to make a decision at this point whether to continue teaching along these lines or to switch to another su- uh, subject. We have had fairly good response, but I'm really wanting to know what my audience is uh, receiving from it if you're following us on a weekly basis or whatever. Uh, so uh, call the number on the screen or send us an email, send us a, uh, a message on Facebook or my public profile page. Uh, uh, there's different ways to do that. Uh, let me also say to you that I know that this is such a vast subject it's impossible for us to pack into a 30-minute program uh, everything it takes to get to where we're at in understanding what we're sharing. Therefore, you can go back. What we've done is we have made this available on our YouTube channel page, and you could go there and subscribe to it. You could uh, just follow a link from our website right straight to our YouTube page, and everything that we have aired to date is there available, and it is archived for you to watch at your leisure or at your convenience on YouTube. So uh, please take advantage of that. Also, I might mention to you that TBN has a app for your smartphone or for your smart device, your, your uh, iPad. There's also an RSS feed for your, uh, your, your other kinds of devices where you can subscribe to our podcast and listen to this in your automobile or whatever. Or you can, uh, like I said, uh, you can go to iTunes and watch that. But uh, uh, also, TBN has an app. You can go to the App Store on your smartphone, your smart television, or your computer and download the TBN app. It is an app that will give you all 10 of TBN's channels, and uh, you can view it in anywhere you have an internet connection around the world. We appreciate it. We're so thankful for the technology that's there and what uh, TBN has made available to the world. We have literally heard from around the globe through uh, the ITBN and through our YouTube page from as far away as the Netherlands and from uh, New Zealand, South Africa, uh, the Ukraine and Russia last Last week, we found out that uh, people can watch our YouTube uh, uh, feed there, and because of the brilliance of my uh, smart uh, son, who is my producer, he was able to figure out how to put our closed captioning on our YouTube page where people can literally read it in almost every language around the world. So we are thankful to have these outlets in the, uh, that we do to get the gospel around the world. Uh, I want to come back today and begin to share some things with you that I think are going to be a blessing. We have been sharing now for probably 30-some weeks out of the book of Revelation. We are going to, uh, we concluded in our last segment, the church at Laodicea, so we're going to move into the fourth chapter of the book of Revelation. But today will probably be more of a review than anything else to help you to catch up to where we're at. And sometimes I feel like, well, maybe I'm going over the same material again and again, but I, I believe that people are, are grasping it as we do kind of do somewhat of a review. With that being said, I'm going to begin today in the fourth chapter. This is the fourth chapter of the book of Revelation, and I want to begin to read verse number one and read a few verses, and then we're going to come back and kind of make some comments about this and just kind of review some things. It says in verse one, after this, that's what I'm going to primarily focus on. 
the last chapter in the book that uh, we are advertising on the screen from time to time has a chapter entitled after this. And that's going to be my main thrust in this particular series of segments is the concept after this. Because if you see the word after this, it would behoove you to see after what? Now let me read this verse and then we'll come back and, and uh, we, we will begin to just unpack a few things. It says, After this, I looked and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone, and there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. Out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunders and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Now that's probably all the further I'm going to get in uh, this particular uh, segment. But anytime you see the word after this, now let me just say to you very, very quickly, when it says after this, what we normally do is, uh, uh, you know, we jump uh, in our minds somewhere other than the context of the scriptures. If I could uh, literally, let me just read this also to you from the prior chapter. Uh, in, in the third chapter of Revelation, the very last, there's a few things that I think are key words. And in, in, in the last, uh, to the church at Laodicea, he says, he says to them, uh, of course, you, I've already dealt with this for the last six weeks on the program, but I want to just get to verse 20. This is chapter 3, verse 20. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Once again, if you need to go back and review what we've said, they are archived on, uh, on YouTube for some of this. To him that overcomes, will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am sit down with my Father in His throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And then immediately he says, after this. Now, the key concept here is after what? The deal to me is after you repent. In other words, for seven churches and for the last probably 25 to 30 weeks, what we have dealt with has been the message to the churches that were first century churches. Listen, these books had to have some relevance to the people that it was written to. In other words, if I wrote a letter to a church that's in Atlanta, Georgia, it's going to have some relevance to the church in Atlanta. So Paul, I mean not Paul, John was writing to seven churches that were really in Asia. And this first century church of called out ones were the ones that were making probably one of the most crucial paradigm shifts of human history because repentance again does not simply mean you need to get saved over and over again. It means you need to change the way you think to have a paradigm shift. Now what they were shifting from was they were shifting from an old covenant and into a new covenant mentality. They were moving from law to grace. They were moving from a government of condemnation. Uh, 2 Corinthians 3, I believe it is, somewhere around verse 7 through 9 in the Message Bible says, For if the government of condemnation was glorious, how about this government of affirmation? The old covenant condemns, the new covenant affirms you. Now, they were moving, see, I think one of the tragedies, and I believe that's why it's so important that we teach some of this stuff, 
on the book of Revelation is because I believe that the eschatology of grace has to be preached or we won't be able to understand the, uh, uh, the, the scriptures that are dealing with the wrath of God and some of the things that uh, transpired in the early church that will not happen again in the future. That the, you know, there's some things where he says these are the last plagues. Uh, in them is filled up the wrath of God. Uh, I will never be wroth with you again. And uh, uh, the wrath of God which comes upon the sons of the disobedience. I believe there's a timetable to some of those things because they are still related to God keeping His end of the covenant bargain with apostate Israel because they did not receive their Messiah and, rec and receive redemption and reconciliation from the curse of the law. So because they were still a people in transition out from underneath the law into grace, if they did not embrace their, uh, their blood sacrifice, they did not put the blood on the doorpost of their house, so to speak, then all of these plagues came upon them. And you see all these plagues in the book of Revelation coming upon them. In my, in my professional opinion, these are not coming catastrophes. They're what you've been redeemed from as a believer uh, when you understand that the book of Revelation is a revelation of Jesus to you that will produce a revelation of Jesus through you. So the massive paradigm shift in this, uh, in this first century church, these seven churches, was his message to all of them except for Philadelphia is if you will repent. And then after, uh, you know, when he says repent, and, 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 and I don't think it's an accident that the last church that he speaks to, when he says to them, behold, I stand at the door and knock. The key word, there's two key words in chapter 3, door and throne. What I've done in my Bible that I write in, I'm trying to learn uh, uh, how to use an iPad because my boys are kind of telling me, Dad, you got to get in technology up to uh, uh, bring it up to date. And I'm finding out as, as I do learn this, it's a little bit easier. But uh, in my Bible, I drew a line from where it says door. I drew the line from that word door to the fourth chapter where it says, after this I looked and behold a door was open. Now, just a few verses above that, that's the same door that he was knocking on. And also he says in that chapter, to him that overcomes, I will grant him to sit with me in my throne. So I took a, a line and I drew it from the word throne down to the verse, chapter 4, verse 1. It says, after this I looked and behold a door was open in heaven, same door that he was promising the church at Laodicea that would be open. And then a trumpet talking with me, saying, come up hither, and, be, and immediately I was in the Spirit. Behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. I submit to you that this is the same throne that's in chapter 4 that he's promising to the overcomer, to you and I, that he would grant us to sit with him in his throne. Now before you get in uh, your mindset and think about a big Victorian chair somewhere on a planet three miles south of Mars, uh, the promise of God to rule and reign with Him is not just for when you die and go to heaven. And once again, I'm not taking anything from the very real reality that there is a heaven. But I believe the tragedy is that most of the church world have been robbed of their right and their believer's authority in the Word because we think this is for when we get to heaven someday. I, I submit to you, this is not just for heaven. Where you need to rule and reign at is in the earth. As a matter of fact, this book of Revelation goes further to say that He's made unto them unto Him a kingdom of priests, or kings and priests, unto God, and they shall reign on the earth. Uh, the, the Bible also declares, uh, because of the abundance of grace 
and the gift of righteousness we reign. That's, see, that's a, dominion, that's a dominion phrase. We reign in life by one, Christ Jesus. And the book of Ephesians says that He hath made us sit together with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So when I see a door opening in the heavens, I see John, first of all, getting a revelation of the reigning Jesus. I see John getting a revelation of what repentance produces. And what, re what repentance produces is it produces the kingdom of God that's going to have some influence on the earth. You know, when we pray even, Jesus taught us when we pray that this is how we ought to pray. That when we pray, we would pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in the earth as it is in heaven. And you see, God's primary purpose, you know, from the time I was young, I was always taught that God's goal was simply to get me from here to there. And once again, I do believe there's a there. But as I begin to really study the Word of God, you know, I found out that most of the Word is not simply, even the parables of the kingdom, and ah, there's so much to be said, it's hard to say it on a 30-minute segment. But even the parables of the kingdom are not necessarily about going to heaven. They are about how to rule and reign in the earth. And so the original mandate that God gave to the man was have dominion, subdue the earth, fill the earth and replenish it. Uh, I was just posted something on my Facebook page the other day where uh, in the Message Bible, when Noah got off of the boat in a new world, God said to him, uh, he said, you know, prosper, be blessed, replenish the earth, fill the earth and live lavishly. That's what he, he, that was the mandate he gave to Noah. Same, same command, different day, so to speak. He told Adam, fill the earth. He told Noah, fill the earth. Expand what's in the garden. You know, I believe, when, I believe that, that, that the mandate for Adam would have been, take what's in this garden and fill the earth with it. So I can say it like this, if you're a citizen of the kingdom, take the kingdom and expand it. We must become kingdom exporters and not just kingdom consumers. We've got to lose this, here's my cup, Lord, fill it up mentality, unless we're saying fill it up that I might become a distributor of the glory of the Lord and, and to become a manifestation of the kingdom of God in the earth, literally. So, you know, God's original mandate was that the kingdom would come in the earth. So when we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in the earth as it is in heaven, we're releasing in the earth the kingdom. See, Jesus, when he came and he preached and he declared the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He cast out devils. He said, if I cast out devils by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. Uh, one of the parables that Jesus taught in the scriptures was, he said, the kingdom of God is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of meal until the whole thing was leavened. Now that's a very short pa parable, but that's very powerful. He said, here's the principle of the kingdom. The kingdom is like leaven. Once you get it in, you can't get it out. And once you get it in, it's going to expand everything it touches. You know, my mom uh, uh, used to make bread uh, sometimes twice a week. When I was growing up, uh, there was seven of us kids. I have six other brothers and sisters. We're a very large family, about all of us involved in ministry. Uh, you've probably seen a few of us here from time to time on the TV program. But my mother used to make, uh, she'd take a 25-pound bag of, of Robin Hood flour, and she would mix that uh, twice a week, and she would make homemade bread. But what she would do is she would take leaven and break it up and put it in that bread. And, it, you know, when, when that loaf was done, it just looked like a round ball, you know, about like this. 
But by the time that leaven began to work in it, it would begin to swell and it would begin to grow and it would just start to fall over that pan. So very simply, it, what, the king, what, what, he, what Jesus was teaching concerning the kingdom is that the kingdom of God is like the principle of leaven. Once you get it in, you can't get it back out. It's going to expand everything it touches. I believe with everything that's in me. And one of the things, the reason I'm teaching the book of Revelation like I am is because, listen, I believe in a winning Jesus. I believe in a Jesus who is king of kings. He is Lord of lords. I believe in a Jesus who declared through the mouth of the apostle Paul that unto me every knee will bow and tongue will swear that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now I believe in a winning Jesus and we say things like, um, when, when we, you know, we just say things like, well, I've read the last chapter of the book and we win. And I believe that. But the way most people preach the book of Revelation, we don't win. I'm telling you, we will win this victory. But I believe we must become answer-oriented rather than problem-oriented. And the answer to the problems of the world is the present reign and the present reality of the kingdom of God. And, you know, I might say this to you as well, because we think of the terms of the kingdom of God like it's a location someplace. But more than a location, we, let me just say it like this. In your church or wherever you attend, if someone comes to an altar of prayer, we pray over them, we believe God, uh, they receive Jesus into their life, we'll pat them on the head and we'll say, thank the Lord, another soul was just added to the kingdom. See, at that moment, what we don't realize we're saying is somebody really did make a transition out of the kingdom of darkness, and now they are right now on this side of the grave, citizens of the kingdom of God right now in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy. It's located in the Holy Ghost. So that if you've got the Holy Ghost, the kingdom of God is inside of you. John the Baptist and Jesus, matter of fact, the whole ministry of Jesus and the message that he primarily declared was always about the imminent, uh, on the scene, nowness of the kingdom and availability of the kingdom of God. We just did a series, uh, uh, we had, matter of fact, two series. We had one called Repentance Accesses the Kingdom. We have another one called The Government of Affirmation. And it's about, you know, I don't know, something like eight CDs where we taught Matthew 3, the very opening of the, of the Gospels. And John the Baptist will come on the scene. He'll say, listen, folks, repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. If I said to you, hold your hand out, uh, where's your hand? You would say, your, my hand is right here. What John was announcing was the imminent availability of the kingdom of God because they were transitioning in that time slot. He was introducing the fact that the kingdom of God is not just coming, it is now available to you because the king of the kingdom in Matthew chapter 3 was about to walk down over the bank of the river Jordan and he was about to step into the River Jordan with John the Baptist. And he was about, uh, when he came up out of the water, in the very next chapter, Jesus began to declare and preach, the kingdom, repent, the kingdom's at hand. Repent, the kingdom's at hand. So it is repentance that accesses the kingdom. And I believe that the first stage of that is repentance and receiving uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so much to say about that. But repentance is not just what you turn from, but what you turn to. It's both of those. Because, see, one of the things that we need to repent from in Hebrews 6 is we need to repent from dead works. From dead works. Listen to that. 
to serve the living God. We need to change our mindset from an old covenant mentality because what we do in the American church is we mix these two covenants. That's with the transition that was taking place here at the churches in Revelation as he's telling them, if you repent, the kingdom is within your grasp. So the simple shift in your mindset is what's going to produce the availability of the kingdom of God. Let me just, uh, uh, by way of review, and we're going to get just and then move into the next segment uh, next week on this, but uh, to the first church at Ephesus, he simply tells them that there are false apostles there. We've already dealt with this in prior segments. You can go back and watch it, but this is a summary. Uh, he told, told them that they had false apostles that taught them works and labor, and he connected them to uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, you know, you re- need to remember from whence you are fallen because if you overcome, I will give you the tree, I will give you access, I'll give you to eat, I'm sorry, of the tree of life that's in the midst of the paradise of God. So the very first thing he tells the first church that you need to repent of is you need to repent of this works and labor thing. And if you repent of works and labor, you're going to access a life. See, the gospel is not simply about a law you have to keep. It's about receiving a life that will keep you. To the church at Smyrna, he said they needed to change their minds about suffering and poverty. The message that Jesus sent to them was that, uh, you know, you're going to have tribulation for 10 days. And what we showed you is that it was 10 days from the blowing of trumpets on the first day of the seventh month until the 10th day, which was the day of atonement. And what he's simply saying is, is you're going to have tribulation until you come into a revelation of what the atoning work of Jesus did for you. And once you get uh, that, you're going to realize that we're rich. Absolutely. He says, you know, to this church, I know your poverty and I know your tribulation, but you're rich. In other words, you've got so much that you don't even realize what you've got. And he says to that church that if you will repent and understand uh, what this, uh, what this uh, uh, atonement is, it was for and what it accomplished and what it exacted for you, then you'll come to the revelation of the atonement's benefits. Then you're going to see that your suffering days are over. To the church at Pergamos, they had a problem with a prophet who was hired to curse people who were not under a curse. Balaam came, and the error of Balaam was that he was trying to curse people who were not uh, under a curse. And we still have a struggle with that today. We, gotta, we need to transition from our, even how we raise prophetic ministry and move them from an Old Testament model of prophesying from a judgment seat to prophesying from a mercy seat to that same church. He told them that he would give them hidden manna and uh, that that hidden manna would produce the repentance that was uh, the mixture that was in this church, and he would give them a white stone. We showed you how the white stone was the white stone of the Urim and Thummim and the breastplate of the high priest, and what it did was it gave them back their real identity. See, what this church had to repent of was a mistaken identity. Uh, Thyatira was that uh, they had to move away from Jezebel's teachings. They needed to keep his works, not our works, but his works until the end. They were to get a revelation of his brass feet, to show that his, the word brass deals with the idea of judgment, to show that he's already walked through the furnace of affliction, and that simply means that his judgment was enough and everything that you need has been applied to the work of the cross. And to that people, he promises them, I'll give you power over the nations. And some of the nations we dealt with are things like your imagination, your condemnation. And yet, at the same time, there is an infiltration to the nations of the earth because the mandate that Jesus gave to us was to make disciples of all nations. 
not just people, but disciple nations. I believe that's something that we yet to realize uh, in our ministries. Uh, to to uh, the church at Sardis, he says to them, uh, their works were not perfect before God. And they had to come to a revelation that by the works of the law, there was no flesh that would be justified. What he says to them is, I've not found your works perfect. He would say that to every church, I believe, and every person alive today. Because what the scripture tells us in the book of Romans chapter 1 through 3 is that the purpose of the law is to conclude all under sin so that every mouth will be stopped and every, every, uh, every person will become guilty before God and say, I need a Savior because Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. And he told this church, if you guard and keep your garments. See, guarding and keeping your garments is simply a revelation that he's already clothed you in the robe of righteousness. And all you got to do is guard and keep what he's already done and live out of what you believe to be true about you. To the church at Philadelphia, he didn't tell them to repent of anything, but because they were the church of brotherly love. And love is the greatest power motivator, I believe, on the planet. But to them, he gives... He says to this church, was the only church that Jesus not, did not have anything against. It was the church of brotherly love. It was from love that everything flows. To this church, he gives the key of David, which simply speaks of the living king reigning inside of us. The apostle Peter found out that the revelation of, of Christ was the key to the kingdom that the gates of hell could not prevail against. The revelation of Jesus Christ and of his finished work is the key that brings us into the kingdom uh, where the gates of hell can't prevail against us. The greater son of David now rules and reigns within us. And because of the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, we are able to reign in life by one Christ Jesus. So that the key of David was the right to reign and rule. The church at Laodicea is their name means the justice of the people. And in summary, this revelation, the revelation Christ is to this church, is that the, His judgment and His justice, His judgment and His justice was our judgment and our justice. He, when He was lifted up, I was lifted up. Jesus said this in John. He said, uh, now is the judgment of this world come, and I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto me. That was the judgment. He, our judgment's not in our future, it's in our past, and had been fully met in Christ. The church was lukewarm. It was a mixture of law and grace. And we considered their attitude of being rich by comparing that with Matthew 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's a summary that brings us up to a door being opened and a throne being set. We're out of time. Be sure to tune in again next week as we continue to unfold this continuing revelation. Take a moment to call that number on the screen. We need your help to take the gospel around the world. It is the faithful partnership of our partners that have enabled us to touch the world with the gospel of the kingdom. Won't you be part of that by sowing something into the ministry today by calling the number or going to our website? Thank you. Join us again next week. God bless you is our prayer. For anyone struggling to understand John's writings in Revelation, this book provides true, biblically-based answers. Through detailed insights into the letters John wrote to the seven churches of his day, you will learn how to avoid the mistakes of the early church to overcome today's trials and tribulations. This book will provoke you to thought and dialogue, bringing greater clarity and revelation of Jesus Christ.